You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with David. How's it going today? It is going amazingly kind of cold out with a slight wind chill of 75 and whatever the hell the weatherman tells me. That's always bullshit. <laughs> it's never true. It's, it's always the opposite whenever you go outside. That's the only job I think in history that you can be 100% wrong and still have a job. Like I I know people go, I went to school for meteorology. I'm like, yeah, well, I can fucking walk outside and tell you it's snowing <laughs> out when it's sunny and I could still have a job there. <laughs> well, I, I know and I know like for, for them, the issue is like not, not all the uh, instruments are cued in correctly. So the instruments will tell them one thing and it's like, mm, are you sure your mechanisms like refined correctly is it off when was the last time this was calibrated things like that so look is there an old saying don't blame the instrument like isn't that <laughs> a if a weatherman's able to blame every instrument he owns and maybe we should yeah. put more funding into the weather company i'm just saying i'm like i think that's a see that's a tough one for me because then there's like a whole option of storm chasers who are like there are gods we look to them as like our seers of the future and i'm like yeah but they're never right like can you get it right one time where it's like hey it's gonna be 75 tomorrow and i'm like today's gonna be the day i plan to get my groceries i get my whole day done and then you walk outside the next day and it's like snow and hailing there's like three tornadoes off to the left and you're like you know what never mind i'm gonna stay inside today <laughs> What? when did the memo come out like it's just like i don't understand they're like we're gonna predict it like i love it when they're predicting weeks in advance and i'm just like dude you don't even know what tomorrow is gonna be like it doesn't make sense you're telling me what the weather's gonna be like on tuesday of march when we're in fucking january i love the seven day calendar because it's like how accurate is this gonna be it gives me a good idea what's gonna happen but i'm like this is either going to get really sunny over the week or it's going to get really cold over the week. So else? <laughs> well, like the past three months, the funny thing is the weather has, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of weather chats, but this is a really interesting one. Uh, the fact like the app updated on like the iPhones where it gives you like the specifics of like what the weather's going to be like each hour, but not just like a small degree change, like, but letting you know the moisture temperature, the humidity, like a bunch of like really, really specific stuff, even more specific than that, where I'm like, Okay, I don't really give it like I just want to know, do I have to put a jacket on when I walk outside or is my grandma going to have to be chasing me down the street like you need to wear your jacket? I'm like, it's 90 degrees out. It's 90. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, David, why don't you tell me um, a little bit about yourself, man? Um, so I'm a, I'm a historian by trade. I'm also going to school right now for my secondary education degree. That's what I'm finishing up right now. I also have my um associates in environmental studies and in geography as well you're you're a caring guy about the environment and is that because that you learned throughout history we have treated it like dog shit <laughs> well yes um it's that also my current job right now um i work at a um institution that cares very much about you know what happens to the environment so um that's that's the other part of it too is you know i i see and deal with it 
a little bit more and also the coworkers I have are very passionate about environmental issues. So I mean, it's I've I've definitely at some points like I saw the Alex Jones episode on Joe Rogan where I sort of like, oh, climate change isn't as bad as they say, which it's compared to media, it's a lot like the weather. It's they're going to tell you, obviously, it's more drastic than it is like there's going to be tornadoes every single day, like polar bears are going to be burning and just spontaneously catching on fire. That's not true. But I get why they're doing that, because we do need to act like as much as I say, I'm not an environmentalist, I kind of really am like I do care about like, because that's where it's our natural beauty of this earth. I mean, if you take the earth, maybe 10,000 years ago, for instance, and then you look at it now, imagine it like funneled like like if you saw a person when they first started smoking in their 20s to when they're 50 and it's like oh shit like your skin is like soaked in with some of the chemicals like that's the earth it's soaked in with some of the chemicals it doesn't look anything like it was before i mean we've completely just ravaged the whole thing well not only that i mean there's been historical episodes throughout time too like the ohio rivers caught on fire 17 times from different uh pollution episodes because it was a major industrial center from the Civil War until the 1970s after the Clean Water Act went in. Um, and other countries are also just doing devastating things to their environments, like the, the, the rainforest in South America, the rainforest in Africa and all that. So these natural beauty areas that also keep the local ecosystems in check. Over time, if we don't pay attention to them, these small small snowball effects will turn into a much worse thing. So I think that's the big the big thing. Like, yeah, this is all gonna happen if we stop, you know, doing our protection if we don't watch and be mindful of this, but it's gonna become small increments until it's too late. Well, like, for instance, when I started to respect nature was when I saw a fire tornado and I was like, that's that's seven lever, seven layers of hell that scorched earth. That is like that is something that is so monumentally powerful. And the interesting thing is how like people say like, oh, it's just you know, it's just plants. You can just grow another one. People always bring up statistics like um, we have more trees than we ever have before. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not really more. I mean, there's more number and quantity. But quality is dog shit. We have literally made them to where there are these little thin ass trees and we can plant more of them, but they don't grow a full lifespan. I mean, it takes what, like 20, 30 years to be able to grow a full size, strong tree, sometimes even longer than that. You know, you look at all these factors and you start to wonder, like, is our earth alive? You got to look at some of the trees down in South, South Africa that literally are being able to be connected through their roots, being able to communicate to each other, to be able to change the color or change, what is it, the flavoring of their leaves so insects don't ravage their whole entire population, I would say. I mean, they're a whole, we have a whole animal kingdom for them. Why the hell are we looking at them like they're just like, well, that's a pretty tree, but I like the bird that's on it. It's like, don't give up. What the, what the, it has moss that is growing on it. And then there's this white, like shit that looks like it's foaming coming out of it. Is that not interesting? That's interesting to me. I don't know if that is for anybody else. No, I mean, it is interesting. And, you know, it just shows that everything's like interconnected. That's the other thing, you know, go back to trees. I mean, yeah, we can play on the trees, but how old are they? How much, you know, what type of trees are they? Um, what's the soil they're planted in? Is the soil healthy for them to continue growing? Is it sustainable for that tree to keep growing? So that's the other that's the other problem too. It's like, okay, yeah, we have all these things, but is it actually sustainable for uh, long term for for the long term? Well, sadly, like the easiest avenue to kind of show people that like 
you should start caring about your environment or caring about plants, I would say. You'd have to look at like the easiest way to tackle it would be like it makes your yard look nicer. And I know that's a really shitty example, but that's the easiest way that people are going to understand like, oh, we need to actually start caring about these things because then they end up starting to learn more about them. But like if you live in a city, if you live in a street, I think you don't really get to take in the option of being able to see kind of the environmental beauties because you're just so compacted with like urban like streets and you know you're impacted with like giant skyscrapers and stuff if you live in new york so you really never get to truly enjoy the beauty but then when you go out and you see it you're taking in so much of it where you're like oh my god like this is a pond. I've never seen a pond before. Like I live out in like the, you know, like a small beach town. So I'm near the ocean every single day. And I mean, that smell of salt air, you don't really understand how much you miss it unless you don't have that. Like just walking out. I know so many people are like, I'm so jealous of you on the fact of like, you can walk out on your doorstep and just smell the beach. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but I'm so used to it where it's like, you have to really humble yourself sometimes. Like, yo, a lot of people don't, don't ever get this experience to be able to smell literally like the salt air right in their lungs. I mean, that's the type of air that hits you. And you're like, Whoo! it's like, it's like snorting cocaine. I've never snorted cocaine, but that's gotta be what it's like. I know. Um, I also live by, live by the water too. I'm very, very close to the coast. Um, but when I was living in the South, um, I knew guys from all different parts of the country and I lived like an hour and a half away from, from the beach. And they're like, oh, we're an hour away from the beach. It's awesome. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's an hour and a half away. I'm used to like just crossing the street. Oh, this sweet. There's a, there's a lake or, you know, there's a, there's the coastline. But that's the other thing. It's like, all right, you know, it's kind of neat seeing people connect themselves to different things when they have the opportunity to. And some people, when they have the opportunity, they, they grape to nature, they just hold on to it. And some people, when they have the opportunity, they shy away from it. So it's another like, letting people open themselves to you know nature and what it has in it people have this like mentality of like when something happens they got to do something or they have like these certain things that keep them to be cautious of like i don't know if you know if like a bird flies around your house three times you got to throw like salt over your shoulder or some shit like that i have that with people now i think like if i ask you this question if you had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you're at and you're at the beach and you bite into the sandwich and there's sand in it. What do you do? If I bite into a sandwich and there's sand in it? Yeah. Do you keep eating the sandwich? I would ask around who put sand in my sandwich and then I might put it away, but it also depends on how hungry I am. If I haven't had lunch, I'm probably going to snack on it. On it. But See, you fucking live by the beach. That's how I know. It's because <laughs> that whole concept, like when I was a kid, I, like even if you just open it out of a Ziploc bag or something, you start to eat your sandwich, you're like – there's a little bit of sand somehow got in here, but I'm going to eat it anyway. And I've heard so many different answers where I'm like, stay away from you because like the one dude's like, well, I would put it back in the bag and then I would go and probably go back to my house, make another sandwich, eat it there. And then I would probably, and I'm like, what are you doing with your life, man? Like you're wasting precious minutes. That's ocean time, brother. Not only that, but like depending on how far away from the from your house you are, it's going to be like, it could be another day trip for you to get home, make another sandwich. And then it's like, You've wasted half the day at your house instead of being at the beach where you want to be anyway. So it's like, yeah, it's a small inconvenience, but not enough for me to like travel somewhere to get something else to eat to come back. 
And see, I'm all about changing perspectives. I think that's the best way to understand history. So then he tosses out this when he goes, I just go back to my house. Well, I actually enjoy eating lunch because it's a very crucial time in my life. And I think a peanut butter sandwich is probably the best thing that's basically heaven. So I want to make sure I can thoroughly enjoy it. And then I hear that. I'm like, all right. It's like fucking put an asterisk by your name. Like you passed this, but just barely, bro. Just barely. I get that. Well, th- all right. So I kind of want to ask you with history, for instance, what do you, yep. what, what, what's, what's your favorite thing about it? Like what, what era are we talking about? Are we talking about way back in the past? Are we talking about how like you, it, you can predict a lot of events for the future? So I've, I've changed my, not my thought process, my, my interest standpoint a lot in the last like two years. Originally I was a, uh, 1848 historian where I dealt with the uh, 1848 revolutions primarily in Europe. Um, but as I've gotten more like more in life and had more experiences, I became more of an environmental historian. So now I study primarily environmental history in the U.S. from the early 20th century to current day. So depending on depending on my interest for the day depends on where I study primarily. Do you believe that the earth makes a – that has like a song, has a song to it? Like I think it ranges depending on who you are as a person inside. But I believe like some days like you feel more like this song and do others. But I believe like the earth has an overall tune, not in like maybe the sense of like if you want to get deep with it, like the vibrations of all of us, how we're all connected. That's definitely true. Um, But I mean more like a song like because I was looking – I was actually thinking about this this morning because it's perfect that you're on for it even though – you said your environment and then history too, or history too. So I'm like, shit, this question works both ways. If you could pick an event through history where a song would match up, what event would you say would be like the best representation of that song? Like Paul Revere's Last Ride, all right, where he's running through town saying the British are coming. I'm already thinking Old Town Road. Like fucking, that is a spot on perfect song right there. Oh, this is going to sound corny. So what am I... Favorite songs I've listened to um, is the Three R's. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up. It's uh, the Three R's. It came out in the '60s, I believe. It's about reduce, reuse, and recycle, but it's to a '70s like tune. So it goes reduce, reuse, recycle, reduce, reuse, and recycle. I think I remember like a Hannah Montana episode where the guy on there was doing reduce, reuse, recycle, and it was actually pretty catchy. But I think that sh- there was a big trend when that came out, though, like back in like when I was like maybe 15, 10 years old or something. There was like this whole recycle thing. We started getting them in school, recycle bins. Everything was recycle, yep. recycle, recycle. And it's like now that what they leave you a little box outside of like a gas station that says like paper and then there's another one that says plastic, but everyone just throws it all in the paper one. Honestly, depends on where you live. So I, in, so the town that I live in, it used to be that way where you had the three, you had the three bins, um, because at that time the state couldn't separate between the two different ones, um, but now they can. So most people just throw them in one container. Um, I still, tr- I still try to separate them because I know sometimes the institutions that are picking them up doesn't have the capability to sort them, even though the state does. Um, so it's all, it depends on where you go and also where, how, what you can recycle depends on the state you're in too. Like there's some states that can't recycle, uh, four and above. There are some states that can only recycle one through three. So 
that's the other thing you have to kind of pay attention to what your marker says on the things recycling. What are the classifications on levels for recycling? Shouldn't you just be happy they were thrown in the recycle bin though? Like how many people are even doing that? Like, you know how many people just throw trash in their car? Like I have a designated bag for inside of my car where I'm like, when I get to the gas station and the bag's full, you fucking throw it out. But I know people that are literally like swimming in their own like things of bottles. And I'm like, you are literally being that sea turtle video that we all hate to watch. Um. So there's, I think it's level one through six five is the highest i've seen i think i've seen like one or two six maybe um so it's just like the comp the uh composition of that material is recyclable so for instance um a plastic bottle if it's made with certain materials it'll make it a five as opposed to a four so if it has those materials in it then that will decide if the state has the ability to recycle it uh compose it or things like that um so that's why there's different numbers on each different thing. That's really tasking for anybody that doesn't actually give a shit about the environment. So like, I know most people are like, Oh, well there's a, I see the symbol on it. So I'll throw it away. So I think at school, what I, I, what I ended up doing at school, because this was a minor thing at uh, where I went, I ended up printing out the state um, guidelines for recycling and I ended up putting them in my school office. That way it's like, all right, everyone knows now, these are the things you can recycle. This is why you can't recycle them, X, Y, and Z. So, and then people actually started going ahead and doing that. They started recycling in the right spots. Uh, they knew what to recycle, what not to recycle. So, I mean, you got to look at it like the Simpsons movie when they were going to dump in the lake. And he, there's like, he busts through all those fucking barriers. And there's an old guy holding up a sign that says, you suck. Cause he's like the last layer of defense before he drops it in the lake, ran the dude over and dumped anyway. It's like, you could put so many signs in front of people, but they still don't do that. Like the craziest thing I saw was like, I was, my cousin spent uh, time with us over the summer. He's a little bit older than I am, but he cares a lot about the environment more than I do. I think it's because he takes massive drugs and just chills out in the environment, which I think that's probably our best bet or avenue to go down. Fuck the lawn care people. Like the ones that are like, I need to take care of the land because it helps me play golf on it. Like, all right, you're cool. I mean, I get it. You're probably more in touch than most people, but, my cousin, he takes like what? I forgot what he did when he was down here. It was like ecstasy or something. And he went out into the woods. And I'm like, we're in a fucking beach town. Like, where are you going where there's woods? And it's like 45 minutes away. And I, it's only like a mile and a half of woods. He just started wandering. I didn't see him for two days. Like, I thought I was going to have to start being like, hey, guys, uh, this is the police department. I was just wondering, could you help me find my cousin? He's been in the woods for two fucking days. And I don't know where he went because there's nowhere else you could go. Like, there's you can you can literally drive 20 minutes and then see the end of the forest. And he's like, well, how, do you, how when's the last time you talked to him? Like he sends me Snapchats, but I just can't find them. Like he's just sends a picture of his foot and then he's gone for like 10, like 10 hours. And he sends another picture of his foot, but he was like the way you get connected. And I started talking to a lot of environmentalists and they're like, it's all geometric patterns. Like you start to find a way that someone looks at the environment and starts to realize why they are connected to it based on things that maybe a certain moment in their life, like a certain memory that really kind of bolds strong with them. I'm a camping guy. So, I mean, I used to go camping all the time and those were kind of where I, I guess created a lot of my love for the environment and stuff. But at the same time, it's like 
people don't really want to change or want to take notice on things until it's at the red line when it comes to themselves medically, when it comes to the earth. I mean, if we told you right now that this planet had a year left to live and there's no fucking way to change it, even if everyone started recycling, people would start recycling, even though they know there is no possible way. There's that glimmer of hope that maybe they can change it. But then what happens if we get to that 365th day or whatever? And it's like, hey. The earth's doing all right now, and it's actually going to last another year. Then people are like, well, now it's a fucking conspiracy. Uh, fuck this. Fuck that. McDonald's trash out on the ground. And I'm just like, oh, my God, man. Like, why in my yard out of all places? Pick up your dog shit and don't throw your double quarter pounder trash on my lawn, you know? I think this, it comes down to people having um, profound experiences. That's that experience where, it, you know, it's life-changing. So one day at work, I had a profound experience with um, with an animal that I, you know that I met, and I wanted to learn learn more about the habitat that he grew up in um, in that area. So, and then by doing that research, you know, learning about um, the issues and the effects that are facing that area. So that's like okay, so we have to do these things in order, you know, for him. So it's kind of selfish. But like I, I want his species to do excellent. I want everyone else's species to do great too, but this is the species I care about the most. So I'm going to do, I'm going to change my behaviors to make sure that his environment and his species environment is perfect for them to continue growing. And that's, you know, that's kind of how people think about it. People think about it like, I want my beach to be the best beach. So I'm going to do these things to make sure that my beach stays the best. So it's, you know, it's that inner inner selfishness but it's also but at least to the greater good as well have you looked up uh there's this place in canada called marine land i'm about to google it right now there is a guy who was just on a joe rogan podcast been on a couple of times but he talks about the bad stuff that they do at marine land such as trading animals such as force feeding animals dolphins and all these types of things it's really fucking crazy and you would think like it's canada why are you doing that in canada you're supposed to be the nice place but then you start looking at it like you start to realize like we don't understand animals fully. I, I, that's my biggest concern with the environment is the fact that there's going to be a whole large group of species probably that future generations are never going to see. And people always think that, oh, we'll just be able to clone them later by getting a DNA sample. There's plenty of animals that are long extinct that we're never going to be able to replicate on the concept of we've lost the DNA. We've just, there's no way. I mean, there's rhinos, there's different species of elephant that are just being abused where there's only one left and the one that's left is too old to breed. So it's like, all right, well, how much are we going to rely on technology? Wouldn't you rather want the actual natural thing? It's like if I cloned you and then I said to your mom, hey, like, I got you another son. It's the same guy. So if he dies, you got two kids. And she's like, no, because I know which one's a clone. Like that, that thought never goes out of your head. It's like that whole aspect of like, I was watching Rick and Morty and uh, Rick died in one of the episodes and they're like, just throw them in the cloning machine and then reclone them. I'm like, it's not you though. It's, 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 it's a copy of you, but that's what I'm saying. It's a copy. It's not you. It's not the OG original. It's not the natural 100% authentic you. It's like, there's that slight fragment that might be off, even if you narrow down every single feature. So not only that, I mean, even if we were able to clone animals, if the habitat or the ecosystem isn't there to support, it's just going to die out again. And it's like, well, we keep doing this. Why, why do they keep dying? It's like, well, cause you don't have the things in there to support its life. How can you bring something up in this world that you can't 
support. And it's just going to keep dying and dying and dying. And it's going to be like that. Also, so for Marine Land, it doesn't look like Oh, you Googled it? You Googled it? Yeah, I'm actually on their site right now. Oh, their so site's not going to have anything about it. They actually stopped tweeting about – um. They start. They stopped talking about what they were doing with animals, like doing the shows and tricks and stuff. So now they're only doing stuff for educational purposes. But since coronavirus, the guy who was on there that they're like have been on a lawsuit with for, I think, the past 12 years now or something like that, something ridiculous. Um, he originally worked at Marineland and exposed all the stuff that they're doing with force feeding dolphins and fish. And they've just been back and forth on Twitter, suing each other. Um, it's still going on today. They actually have a walrus there that had imprinted on the guy as his mother. And the thing about animals is that we don't really understand is when they imprint, that's like, they there's no other bond or connection that person that animal has with another thing so she doesn't eat she doesn't sleep she's i think 19 years old they were going to transfer her during the start of this coronavirus to another zoo in germany or something to be able to breed her walrus kind just to keep the species alive but corona shut it all down and somehow she, i guess they artificially inseminated her or something where they actually should have a tweet saying that uh the walrus was has had a, a, a whatever they would call him. I wouldn't call him a calf, but they would have this baby or whatever. But it's just fuck. It's it's a crazy Joe Rogan episode. I'll just admit that much. But yeah, Marine Land is just nuts. I don't know what their site's showing you. So what I'm trying to find to see if they're an EZA credit uh, zoo. Uh, do you know what an EZA credit zoo is? No. So it's the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Uh, this organization. Um, goes in so most zoos are only accredited by the fda so they only check to see if humans are negatively impacted if it's self if it's a safe work environment if it's a safe environment for humans to visit so there's enough bathrooms things like that so they're not actually checking um animal life so what the aza does though is the association of zoos and aquariums goes in and checks those zoos so they credit those zoos to see if they're actually maintaining high um animal standards husbandry standards um health system for the animals and things like that uh, there's also the humane society at least i know for the u.s context uh, about to say society. that's that's usa this is canada's marine land and it's funded it's not a actual like it's funded by one guy and that one guy has died so now they have, okay. I think it's his son that has taken over or something or one of his stepkids or whatever. But that whole thing was funded by one guy who wasn't entitled to anybody, like didn't owe anybody money. He was a self-starter and all he did was keep buying and buying animals. He was a bit of a hoarder from what I've heard at least. So it sounds like Joe Exotic and, you know. Yeah, basically that, yeah. Yeah, Um, but the, the AZA doesn't just uh, do the U.S. So they have, uh, there's a couple of AZA facilities down in Mexico. Um, and the AZA is now international, so it's there's the World AZA, there's the EU AZA, there might be a uh, CAZA, the Canada equivalent. So I was just trying to see if that's the case, because if that's the case, then they shouldn't have that accreditation. And I know AZA does a good job doing that. Um, so at least when I go to zoos nowadays, I look for that that rating to see if an outside independent source is coming in and actually checking. Because they have to they do an accreditation every, I think it's four years. They come through every four years and check everything. But it, do, wouldn't it be easy for that one day, though, to just make everything look like it's supposed to be in order, then fuck around for the rest of the years? 
it would be easier. It would be easy, but there's certain guidelines you have to submit to the AZA as well. So, like, if you're opening a new exhibit, it's like, okay, you're opening a new exhibit, but does it meet X, Y, and Z criteria? Because if it doesn't, then you're not. It's no longer AZA. It's no longer an AZA certified facility because you're not following the guidelines. And also, a lot of what AZA does now is the edu- education and conservation side of the house. So they fo- that's where their big focus is, and um, you know, along with the animal husbandry. Would you consider too. zoos ethical? Like, in my opinion, I think they are, but I also think they're not. Like, I fight two sides on that one. One, I think it's needed um, to be able to show kids maybe animals that they wouldn't be able to see naturally. I mean, from like, a, obviously not just a selfish point, but also for educational purposes. But I think that they need to be like rehabilitated maybe animals like animals that have no chance of surviving in the wild like they've completely like either they're missing fangs either they're missing things that are like key points to survival have those in zoos so at least you can help them survive rather than just toss them right back out and have them get killed but like perfectly like cubs or something that you're raising in like protected wildlife or something i'm just like that doesn't make sense because then you're really kind of taking out a lot of its key features of survival it's kind of like how we built up houses in all these cities and corporations now that if you gave somebody you know to do naked and afraid we wouldn't make it more than like a couple of days only on the aspect of like we want fucking heat we want soup we want someone to rub our head and tell us bedtime stories or our netflix to lull us to sleep like there's this whole ounce of like you're taking out their survival thing which i think is a crucial aspect in life so a lot of animals born in in zoos and aquariums a lot of them are are institute are institutional animals to begin with so their their life lifetime has been within institution the only case that the only case that animals born institutions are released are um endangered animals um so like American Red Wolf, um, the American Red Wolf, for instance, uh, there's only 12 left. As far as I know, there's only very few breeding um, breeding pairs. Um, the zoo that I often visit is a sponsor of that program. So they fund the, the research component of it. They help assign breeding pairs and all that. Um, and they also have, uh, I think, one or two that are breeders. So when they breed cubs, they will go out to those protected areas to help repopulate, repopulate the genetic code. The other thing is it comes down to um, the species survival plan, which every endangered species animal has or threatened animal life has on the breeding requirements for them and who they get paired with, because you want to make sure there's no overlap in genetic stuff. So there's a lot of behind the scenes, like, well, if we do this, we see this as a, like a first cousin or whatever. Um, would that have a negative impact? And will there be genetic deformities? Just like humans, right? You don't want to marry your second cousin because then your your kid has a fish head. Um, but that's the same thing. But that's the that's the thing. That's the same thing in terms of animals. The other thing is um, there are some zoos that do um, rehabilitation or they bring in animals that wouldn't survive so again the zoo that i often visit they have three they have three eagles two of them are bald eagles one's a uh, a golden eagle the two um bald eagles had their wings destroyed um in a human interaction they were they were flying and they got hit by a car 
and because of how the wings are set up on an eagle, um, they were not able, they weren't able to get repaired. And they tried therapy, they tried different surgeries, whatever, and it was found that these eagles would not be able to fly to get their food. So because they weren't able to live in the outside, we brought them into the zoo and we feed them every day, but now they're a conservation animal and we use them for educational purposes as well. Whose fault is that? For the eagle get hit by a car? Yeah, I look at that as the eagle's fault. I mean, I'm in pro, I'm pro animal. Let's try and rehabilitate. If I look at it like the car can't fucking fly. So it's like when you watch uh, Randy Johnson when he threw that 99 mile an hour fastball in that stadium and he hit that fucking dove or bird. That's the bird's fault for flying into the pitch. Like you had one spot you don't fly at, but I mean, obviously it's a strange coincidence. I'm not saying that, you know, that's that they deserve it or anything. I'm just saying when you look at that, I'm like, that's not entirely hundred percent fault of the human, but there's people that will pay fines on the aspect. If they hit a bald eagle or something with their car, it's like, what, I, what the fuck do you want me to do? I was pulling out of a seven 11 and a fucking Eagle just flew across. Like it's, it's, there's a big thing down here with um ducks, for instance. Uh, we have a lot of geese population down here. I, Hmm. Never hated a bird more than I hate a geese. Um, only because I've sat so many times, like waiting 45 minutes for a car in front of me to watch these geese just walk across the street. Yeah. And I don't like a bird that has a mentality where they don't really give a shit about you. They look at you like, you're not going to hit me. So they just strut across. And I mean, 45 minutes, these geese flew across or just walked across. And then finally, the last one went. And I'm like, finally. And I mean, legit 45 minutes. I'm like, finally. Then the woman started going and the, all the geese just flew right back over the street in a matter of a minute. And I'm like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? But it was like, it's a fine if you if you hit one of them, which I think is important. You shouldn't just go out of your way to hit one of these things. But right. at the same time, like they down here, they just make up so many crazy ass rules and regulations. There was an overpopulation problem of these geese because I think it was like two, three years back. We had a weird shift in our climate where it didn't get cold when it was supposed to get cold. So the geese never flew away. They just sat there like fucking whatever, you know, winter's not here yet. So we don't need to fly South. So eventually they just euthanized a whole bunch of geese by putting something in the meat, putting something in like some feed or whatever and did it. And I was like, what the fuck? Like th to me, that was a shocker. And I was like, all right, I hate them pretty bad, but I would never do something as sick as that. I was like, well, at least you could donate the food. Maybe they're like, no, cause it's all contaminated with that poison. I'm like, you fucked up. You, you, you should have did something else better than that, but you saw a quick scenario to be able to fix an issue. And then you completely just did this horrific event now that everybody forgets about. And I still remember it. I actually have the news article saved and posted on my wall. I was like, that's the town I live in. Well, not only that, I mean, I just goes to show that, you know, while yes, the state and you know the federal government often sometimes have good intentions about wildlife, the means of doing it is just totally blown out of proportion and is more harm than good. I know um, there was a the U.S. has been always very anti anti wolf and anti coyote, um, and during the 30s and up to the 60s, I want to believe there's something called the Coyote Wars, where the U.S. government spent I think it was $10 billion in today's money to eradicate the, the wolf and the coyote. And there are coyotes everywhere. And yes, the wolf population died down, but the coyote took its place. So then the government spent more money trying to kill off the coyote populations and it just it backfired in their face until they're like, all right, 
we're not spending nearly enough money on this. I'm not giving any more money to, you know, keep killing off wildlife. It's like, you should not have done it to begin with. Let nature do its thing, man. Like, we're the ones encroaching on their space, not the other way around. Yeah, I remember when I was, like, maybe seven seven years old. There's this area near uh, in Delaware near my grandparents' house, and my uh, uncle took us fishing there. And it was, like, this open kind of, like, small little pond thing. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. But there were, like, these little blue fish. That would literally like thousands of them just come right up to you, like just swim around your feet and stuff. And you're like, oh my God, like I could easily catch one of these. So my stupid ass grabbed a Universal Studios, like one of those giant like drink containers, like the 42 ounces or whatever. And I would dip it in the water and try and scoop out the fish. I would never get them. They're way too fucking quick. Um, but it was like that entertainment for me. But it was so cool to see fish life actually come up to you and not be afraid of you for once. And then we went back like a year later and they had built up fences and they actually built a factory right by there where I think it was like a couple of years down the line. I ended up going back there and be like, you know what? Fuck these fences. Statue of Limitations, hopefully, is not still around because it's been like 15 years. But went through where the fence part was and all the fish were gone and the water was completely changed too. It was actually got smaller. And I was like, this is what happens. Like it ruins a natural beauty. Like how many natural beauties do we have left that might not be around in maybe 10, 15 years. It's like, um, uh, if, if you ever go to the grand Canyon, I always recommend going to the grand. Canyon. It's fucking awesome. Um, another example of that. If you look at uh, the rock walls, that white stuff that you see, that's the calcium from where the water used to be and where it is now. So like, you know, so if you go to the Hoover Dam, for instance, if you go there and you stand on the dam where the high rocks are, where those white lines are, that's where the calcium used to be. So that's how high the water used to run in that area. When and then you, it slimmed down. When did you go to the Hoover Dam? Um, I went there in 2018. How old were you? Um, I was 24. Okay, yeah, we- 20, 24. We did different things, I think, at the Hoover Dam. I went when I was, like, probably, like, 16. So all I did was grab a bunch of coins and roll them down the Hoover Dam. <laughs> I didn't really get to take in the water and calcium deposits on the walls. But, shit, next time I go, I'll make sure to, like, check that out. There's just stuff you, you end up missing. But, like, I think the best part about the trip to the Hoover Dam was probably going through the desert and seeing all, like, the Joshua trees, seeing all – and I finding out that, like – Throughout anything, when it comes to animals, plants, they have been throughout folklore. I mean, anybody that is a historian or anybody that is even diving down the realms of maybe mythology or storytelling when it comes to old aspects of life should look at how many correlations there are when it comes to the religious tones of using nature, something that we can't explain where there only had to be created by one deity or a deity or something that had to be out of complete, like out of human power. Like it's something that is from such a, primal essence that has been long here before we have even been a race you know it really i'm not upset by it but i'm more upset on the fact of like maybe with like how we've been trying to genetically modify animals i'm not a fan of um like the bulldog everyone uses for instance like if we just bred that with another species we'd be able to breathe better but at the same time mules like they're bred with horses and donkeys and you can't rebreed a mule so we just have to keep breeding horses and donkeys to keep getting a mule it might work for some aspects of like maybe some they can carry more they look better sure but is that really like the stuff we should be judging on an animal's quality of life you know it's it makes you think and quality of life is the biggest part i mean most people like 
now most people are starting to shift that quality of life component. But originally, you know, people with animals like, all right, what can I do for me? And they use it as, you know, work animals, horses were used for work animals, oxen and all that. Bulldogs. It's interesting that you mentioned bulldogs. Bulldogs were originally bred to hunt, not hunt, but they were to distract it, to distract bulls long enough for humans to kill them. That's why they were bred in England. So like bear um, dogs. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. That's what they so do like, in Alaska. They just get a random dog and use it to distract a bear if a bear comes. That's fucking nuts. So like bulldogs would go underneath like the bull itself, look up, and as the bull's looking down, the bulldog would grab the snout of the of the bull itself and pull it down while like the bull's trying to get it off that's when people would go in and kill it and the thought process was that's how you got the best meat out of a bull was because it was all wild up and moving so the tendons were moving my brain immediately went i gotta get a bulldog in case i ever get into a fight with a bull but then i'm like wait a minute i don't live in fucking spain so there would be no point like i would just have this oh wait a minute we don't ever come across bulls like i need to find some like you ever see uh the leon burger i think it's called but it's known as like a russian orchvaka mountain dog or something like that they're bred in russia to hunt bears and if you saw the size of this dog you'd be like holy shit like i'm like yo that's russia a hundred percent I think I've seen those. It looks like a bear itself. I'm like, what the fuck is this? My uh, buddy used to own Newfoundland dogs, and they were so – it was so crazy because we actually had a woman call the cops on us, um, probably a Karen before it was like a known thing to be a Karen. But uh, she had – she lived in the apartment behind my buddy's house, and when it snowed out, I mean we had a really bad snowstorm one time, but we would sit there for hours and try and call his dog inside. And his dog's in Newfoundland. That's up in Canada. They're – freaking like basically snow dogs you were their water rescue but they love the cold so to him that was heaven and we spent hours trying to get him inside and she was like i'm gonna call the cops because you're abusing your dog i'm like he's sleeping in the snow like we're the doors open like our heating bill is going through the fucking roof because we're trying to get him back inside but it was like this whole aspect of like how many times do people actually spend time researching or learning something about a dog before getting one or even learning something about an animal before maybe doing an effect that might harm that animal's uh, quality of life, I would say? How many people call about an osprey or a bird or a falcon nearby where it's this tree that they're living in, so they decide to tear the tree down? It's like, then where's that thing going to go? If you live in a city and you have like maybe, what, 100 trees out of like a maybe 50 miles or so? Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, people doing research. I mean, it, people think that, oh, all dogs don't like being outside. You know, blah, blah, they have to be brought in. It's like, oh, there are dogs that love being outside more than inside. Huskies are one of them, you know? Um, and it's just that whole research component where it's like people have this, I think people have this general observation about nature and everything around it, but don't do any further um further things into it and then it's like if they see one thing wrong that might be actually totally natural they're like let me call this let me call the city and let them know about this that way you know or you know someone else to deal with this or even companies companies also need to take responsibility too and be like i should probably do research before i start digging up this habitat area people should have that thought initially but they never do it always comes later down the road when they want to do more research on it it's like i think the code is gone yeah, I think the code maybe to get an animal or get a pet is like you should do a lot of research on it. Like, I wanted a sloth at one point. Um, 
but I spent a lot of time doing research where I spent probably a year and a half saving up five grand just to be able to afford a sloth. And that's like, obviously I was taking money out for bills and shit. So I was like, it's going to take a while to get to that five grand. So I'm like, screw it. Might as well learn. It's really a lot of work. And I was like, I can't even take care of myself that well. Like giving it a shower every single, what, like, it's like two times a week. I'm like, that's a fucking lot. And it's like, you actually have to scrub them. I'm like, sometimes I just let the water cool on my back and get out of the shower. Like I, I can't take care of a sloth, but it's that kind of like knowledge you need to know that wisdom. You kind of need to start researching for yourself and finding the proper information to be able to care for one of these animals. But people just see Joe exotic and immediately want 50,000 tigers. I'm like, look, you're probably not the one um, that's going to be the Joe exotic, the one that can actually stay alive. You're going to be more like the person that got their arm torn off. And like when they went into the cage, sorry to say, sorry to say. Is that, was that before or after you wanted to get your Falcon? You fucking listen to my episode. How dare you? Yep. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I wanted to do the falconry license, but what tore me away from that was the fact of it took two years to get the actual like you know you had to study under somebody then you got a falcon then maybe like seven years in you get an owl and i'm like to me my i, I don't want it that bad and i think that's a good key factor like you know when a parent's like i want you to really think about this tattoo or something because it's gonna be on you for the rest of your life fucking think it through don't get a tattoo of a pokemon card on your leg out of a split decision unless you fucking know that's what you want Ouch, I feel attacked. I'm joking. Totally joking. Do you um, have a Pokemon tattoo? I don't have a Pokemon tattoo. I have a bunch of like I have a bunch of um pop culture tattoos. Like I have one I have a bunch of Star Wars tattoos. Um But you love those. You love those. Yeah. Okay, you know how many people just see something like I fucking love that. I'm gonna get that. It's like, no, <laughs> don't get a tattoo of a starfish hugging an asshole. It does not make any <laughs> sense. I mean, it might to that person at the time. I'm joking. <laughs> Let's say, oh. my cousin's i mean not my cousin my uncle's a tattoo artist and he's actually been on the podcast before but he talks about like the worst ones tattoos he's given are shit that's like you're drunk it seems good at the time he always gave me the rule of thumb is wait six months and if you really still want to do it then you go and do it so i haven't found anything for six months i want to get tattooed on my skin enough so yeah you gotta have like deep meaning to it like something with like a family thing to me i guess i don't know it's hard to figure out what you want to put on your skin that you're not going to regret later i saw like seven seasons of ink master or whatever the hell the number they're at just by watching facebook videos jesus man you yeah. want to talk about people that really go here's an issue i have if you go on ink master and you want a tattoo of a pinup doll with like scars on it and shit make sure it's what you want and then when you get it don't bitch about it that is the dumbest thing to me. That and PETA. As much as PETA might enjoy this episode, I don't like how I think the issue is educational stuff or things that seem to prioritize environment don't actually give a shit about the main issue. PETA in 2013 did the dumbest fucking thing. That I, and I only know this because I eat a lot of this food. Animal crackers. Their big, big fight against the government was getting the animals on the uh, packages out from behind bars. 
in 2013 that passed and they consider that a win. I'm like, what the fuck are, can we go to the countries where there's like circus bears and lions and shit that are riding unicycles? Like that seems more of an issue to me than animal crackers. Stouffer's can take a break. I don't care, but I'm just saying it's like, come on. Our fundamental policies when it comes to like what programs we have invested are doing some of the right stuff, but how much gets waived by some stuff that just seems like you're just acting out to act out, you know? And that's those spotlight issues, right? Like it's that thing you can see every day, but at at the end of the day, you know, you have to invest in actual conservation institutions that are going to actually go out, out of the country, go to international levels and start making changes there. And that's where all the hard work is. And people don't focus on all that hard work. They focus on, oh, well, I got this to pass, pass just by locality. Yeah, locals and locality is nice because you got to start small to get bigger. But you have to start chipping away at the big stuff, too, collectively. And you have to help with that. So, I mean. <sighs> that size is definitely perfect for that <laughs> scenario because you have to think about it all the stuff that goes into it where everything's so mix match back and forth. It's like, we have a budget to fix a lot of these issues and how much of it is really getting focused on. Like there's a lot of documentaries that come out. There's actually a documentary on Marine land. Um, it's stuff you start looking at, like, are we still in the past? Like, and then people freak out when Shamu bites somebody. It's like, you fucking wonder why yeah. really would you like to do flips in an enclosed habitat? I think the only study that really piqued my interest in all this stuff was like, I found out a, a marine biologist, she started to live with a dolphin. Like she filled up half of her house with water just to be able to live with this dolphin. They actually developed a relationship where the dolphin was like, it was like a sexual relationship. And I was like, okay, um, I, I, from a standpoint that is fucking nuts, but also you have to look at like how close we closely we connect to a species where like people look at dolphins and they're like they're so smart dude their brains are fucking bigger than we even know like we barely even understand our own and the fact that they have different accents based on where they're from that's to me that's a sign like we need to start paying attention more to the animals here pay attention to more of earth life on here like how the earth is living instead of focusing on going into outer space and going on like uh the moon or something as much as space is fascinating but like shit dude i want to know if there's a giant kraken or something that's that would be peak my interest 100 percent. there there's a quote that i i try to you know memorize from time to time and think about things it's um we don't own, own the earth the earth uh we don't belong the earth doesn't belong to us we belong to the earth and it's like yep that's that's pretty true especially with all these different you know every animal has different niches every every animal develops their own unique adaptations while even though they're part of the same bigger family they develop their own um their own communities within they have their own community norms just like humans so it's 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 bridging that it's bridging that gap between us and not the us and them but it's like they are us just in a different form. You know, they communicate a little bit differently. They look a little bit differently, but what human doesn't do that too. There's a song by little Dicky called earth. And it was like the most fucking like heartwarming, like video ever where it kind of shows you like, we're all just people. It shows the animals. It shows everything on there. They even got a camp cameo from Leonardo DiCaprio. Like he doesn't even say much, but it's like, you have to look at like how far to, you know, the bridge, the gap, you want to talk about a bridge of a gap, a dude that's rapping about his dick and being too high makes a song about the fucking earth. Like, come on, man. Didn't he put that on earth today too? 
that would be good timing for it. I would see him do that. Yeah. Cause I think I remember like that coming out and like that populated my Facebook feed. I was like, all right, I guess I'll check this out. I listened to him like, yeah, this is, this is pretty awesome. The beats, right. You know, the message is right. It's like, this is great. I think also the fact it shows that like, maybe a lot of those guys did it for like good attention. Sure. But it was a giant bunch of appearances from a bunch of famous people where it was only a quick little snippet of a line or something that they would all say. And it was combined into this video where it shows like, it doesn't matter what level of fame you're at. We can all come together on the same conclusion that we all share this earth together. So why make it worse for the next person or next generation? You know, like on my personal Instagram, I post pictures of sunsets. I know that might sound corny or whatever, but it's something we can all share. You know, when you look at the grand aspect of what people like to post on social media, it's all fucking what they have and what someone else doesn't. Oh, here's my new car. Here's this, here's that. A sunset is just something we can all share. We all experience, even though you might not look at it at that instance, you know, it's something that really can kind of take a load off of your mind, at least for some people, you know, that's why I see doing yoga on the beach. I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to do that. That sounds fucking awful. Carrying your yoga mat and your flip-flops with socks on you, son of a bitch, all the way down to the beach. That sounds awful. But if it's for you, go ahead and do it. But I think enjoying that view and watching that, I mean, there's just an overall vibration in the air where I'm like, yeah, the world has a song to it. Depending on what day and what you're feeling, it means something different to you. But there are specific moments that you can correlate perfectly with a song. 100%. I know on my, on my personal Instagram page, a lot of it's from stuff that I do at work, which, you know, I work around various animals. So I'll post like, if the sun's like, so if the sun's hitting like low enough and like the, the elephants are out, I'll take a picture of like that, that background of the sun, of the sunset with the elephants. And it's like, Oh, you know, so that way, you know, it's everything everyone experiences, but also something that people often don't get to experience as well. So like seeing an elephant, they may not have an opportunity to do that in real life. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit closer to the screen, but then, you know, they know where it's at so they can go out and venture and see it in real life too. So positive views on the future for environment or negative views on the future in, in like the next 10, 15 years? What are your thoughts? Um, <laughs> I think locally, um, environmental issues are going to pick up, especially with this newer generation. Um, I've seen some things from my own work perspective that a lot of younger families are getting involved in the environmental movement and they want to do stuff locally. Um, the caveat to that though is it's always, you know, you have to chip away things in your backyard before you do anything federally, but without a, a positive or at least a positive con um, conversation about environmental issues on the federal level, it could go either way. So right now, President Biden seems very hopeful with things. He seems very optimistic about the environment. Um, I don't think his record and some of the rhetoric he's talked about during his campaign trail reflect that. That's just my own personal viewpoint. Um, so, you know, it could go either way. Depends on who he appoints to the EPA and what the EPA policies are and what they go from what they do from there. That's why I'm going to reference the Simpsons movie again. Um, the EPA, Russ Cargell, when he was on there and he wanted to put a dome over Springfield and his problem was just blow it up. I was like... Yeah, that's honestly the best fix I see. I understand his point of view, but I mean, you shouldn't kill all those people. But at the same time, how are those people ever going to learn to respect the environment? It's like, 
two weeks, what, after you start to realize immense damage to the earth has been done, you start fixing your ways, but then you revert right back to your old trackings because how easy it is just to throw a wrapper out the window than it is to actually find a trash can, get out of your car and throw it away. It's really fucking difficult. That's why, I mean, we have people that take care of that stuff, you know, take away trash and stuff. But at the same time, like there are small things you can do in your every single day life that can really add up to the grand aspect of things. Like I tell people, grab a little plastic bag you get when you go to Food Lion, put it in your fucking passenger, whatever, and just throw your trash in there. Like my state just made legal that there's no more plastic bags. Now they're doing paper bags and people are fucking pissed. And honestly, it seems like a bigger waste that they're using paper bags because they take up more space. They rip. You have to go through more of them. I'm like, this, this is like a, it seemed like a good solution, but nobody actually thought this through. Like we need to be focusing on like, what are better ways to, you know, counteract this? Where's our funding going? Where's the guy collecting all the runaway masks that sit in parking lots? Like how many masks have you seen in a puddle? It's the most depressing uh, thing in the world. I was like, Oh, I have all these boxes of masks. Okay. What do you, what do you do? Oh, I just take them off and throw them on the ground. <laughs> Please don't say that. <laughs> it's like spitting I mean out your gum. It's just fucking take it off and throw it on the ground. It's like, just buy reusable masks, and then you just wash them, and then you own them forever, and they're clean. You don't have to throw it anywhere and clog up everything. The people always talk about, like, uh, or Katy Perry even said, you ever feel like a plastic bag? And I'm like, now it's got to be like, you ever look like one of those masks in a puddle where it's like your life is just really depressing? Like, they're just fucking soaked and just like, uh, it's, and like sometimes like after like the cold or whatever hits it, it's like ice, like frozen. So it's like, what is what life are we in like an apocalypse instead of tumbleweeds it's fucking mass just flying around everywhere oh i don't don't make me think about that uh that's in my head i'm just seeing like a, a bit a giant blob of mass just rolling down the hill and it's slapping you like if you stuck a, like a like something on like the front of your car it keeps flapping like in the breeze you yeah know what I mean? it's like oh just slapping you in the face over and over again it's like hey okay thanks for reminding me thank you, you you know those movies where they have like the piece of paper hit the person's face and it stays there for like a minute and he's struggling to take it off? That's replace the piece of paper with a mask. That's like the story of my life, like walking down the street and you step in dog shit and you're like, damn it. It's like again. <laughs> Where's this dog coming from? I think it's gotta be like a labradoodle or some shit. Like that's all they have in my neighborhood where I can't narrow it down to a spe gotta analyze the poo and shit and be like, all right. I have to analyze the poop. You have to triangulate the poop. Where did this poop come from? From like a, this is where math comes in. You can use the Pythagorean theorem to see which dog took a shit in your lawn. <laughs> and then you find out it's not any dog in your neighborhood. It's from the dog like three, like three neighborhoods over, and they're somehow walking in front of your house. Outsider, <laughs> outside. Have you uh? If I was gonna predict what the future of the world is going to look like, I think it's gonna end up being like the happening, where the plants decide to say "go fuck yourself" and they just release a pheromone that kills everyone, like gets them all to like jump in front of lawnmowers and shit. Oh, I'd rather that not be the situation. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, there was a government project I've talked about, like I think it was like nineteen forty something. A dude tried to discover if there was a such thing as plant perception since there were people that could see the paranormal or see like what they would call supernatural. A guy and actually a government did an experiment called plant perception where they boiled a bunch of shrimp in a like little pot on a stove next to a plant but hooked up uh, sensors to it. And they would sense to see if the plant could actually sense the screaming shrimp in the little uh, boiling pot. I know you're Googling. I can see it on your face. So Google yep. it. Now. 
tell people I'm right. Tell people I'm right. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it on Wikipedia. Um, even though Wikipedia is not the best source. Um, why? Why would they lie about that? Who gives a <laughs> Who gives a shit? That's what I'm saying. Nobody gives a shit about plants, so you can lie about something like that. There's a fandom. There's a fandom page on it. That's unique. Okay. Uh, People are probably still trying to do that. It's like the same thing with Scott Pilgrim when he, the vegan guy was like, I'm vegan. And he gets all these superpowers. I bet you there's a giant spark of people wanting to be vegan. There's plant gravity per- perception by NASA. What is, what is that? that? Like I can sense this plant has gravity to it. How do you even what? test that? Who the hell's doing dishes? Oh, um, <laughs> my, my roommate's doing dishes right now. Tell him thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make sure i tell uh tell her that you say thank you i'm glad wait did you ever thought about using paper plates that are a little bit easier or is that bad for the environment um that would that would clog everything up in my opinion if we just use paper plates as opposed to i mean yeah what, what your dishwasher are you washing the paper plates that's really that's really ghetto if you're doing that <laughs> i've no, done it <laughs> trash man you you just throw it away. What are you talking about to clog up the trash? You got to remember to unmute yourself, David. I don't care if there's dishes going off in the background. <laughs> um. So once if it says gravity perception is important to plants because they need to send their roots downwards towards water and nutrients and their suits upwards towards the light. Plants are known to detect gravity using, uh, was it stat once? Uh, which are small starch-filled packets that settle at the bottom of gravity-sensitive cells. However, mutated plants lacking functional um, satellites still show constant heat reduction responses to gravity, suggesting that there's another uh, system for sensing gravity. Science, and I wish I need to actually print out that document so I can highlight the words I didn't know, which it's going to be a lot. Um I know words, but that was a hard one. But uh, yeah, okay. Oh, it's oh, it's from NASA too. Yep. That's that's how you know it's real. I don't like NASA right now because they fired a woman for what she tweeted, which I think was incredibly irresponsible of them. Twitter, Twitter's getting everyone in trouble nowadays. I had mentioned this on a previous podcast. A woman that worked for NASA had said, holy – she said, holy fucking shit, I got a job at NASA. And some dude that regulates like people's tweets that work for NASA to make sure it doesn't infringe on the company or whatever um, yeah. said language, like commented that under her tweet. And she said, suck my dick. I work at NASA. And just the fact that it was a like a chick saying suck my dick was the <laughs> funniest thing to me. So whatever. All right, NASA. I'm going to read your article, but – David, dude, this has been a fun conversation, my man. It has been pretty fun, you know? Wasn't as bad as you thought. You said, let's talk environmental. I totally forgot about it until we started talking it. <laughs> and here we are, still there. <laughs> well, is there anything you want to promote, man? Like your, your own Twitter? I know, did you say you did a podcast or you don't do that? Um, so um, you, people can find me at historian underscore uh, Tibbs on Twitter. And then I do... I am a co-host on a podcast called Operation History. Um, it's me and four, three to four other historians. Uh, we all get together. We just talk about events. Um, our newest episode, which came out the 9th, it came out this weekend. Um, it's about the 1996 Rhode Island oil spill. Um, so we get environmental on there, and I, I run that uh, episode up. But we talk about other things. We've talked about the 
Christmas truce of 1914. We've talked about the first Thanksgiving um, when Pilgrim landed in September. So we 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 go all we go all out. You go all over the map. Yep. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one to end on, and I'm going to end it there. Thank you for listening to this episode out of the Blank Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Now, either you're feeling super great or you're feeling eh. Either way, I appreciate you listening. I do crank out a lot of content. It's not about keeping up with every single one, but it's about enjoying one. And I appreciate your listening. So tell a friend. Let everybody know. Get the whole family together and listen to a podcast. Spread the word. And if you want to leave me a rating and review, I'd really appreciate it because it helps me keep on keeping on. Thanks so much. Thank you.